For exciting video content live and on demand, visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Okay, if you hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I hope you guys can hear me for some reason or another. I believe that my mic is, is not working properly, but I'm assuming that it is. Uh, I have a guest in the studio, and uh, I think my guest perhaps... Uh, <laughs> he can hear me, but I'm not going to bring him on yet because I got to do something special today. Uh, I did want to talk, you know, a little bit about last night's basketball game. But I think I'm going to wait to the very end of the show, you know, to give my comments because I don't know. I, I was hoping I'd come in. I'd be real excited about the game last night, but I'm not. So I want the show to be exciting. So I'm going to start off talking about what I am excited about. And I'm excited about the fact that I do have a guest uh, who is on the line. And, and my guest is a, is a young man out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a young man who, who, who grew up in, in, in the heart and soul of the city of brotherly love. And I got a chance to meet this young man. Uh, we met for the first time down at the Player Network event at the Super Bowl in a city they call Dallas. And I can't believe I said that because he or myself don't think much about the city of Dallas or the Cowboys, <laughs> but uh, I got—I I just got to spend time with you know Lamar Campbell's on the phone with me, and I'm excited that he's there. Uh, Lamar, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm good, Ray. How are you? Well, let me just say to all the listeners out there that you know I still have a hard time calling this man Ray. You know, I called him Mr. Ellis <laughs> for the first month or so when we initially met. <laughs> hey, I, I listen. I appreciate that because that that's 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 respect, and I I certainly can appreciate that because you know, and I know that there's a lot of young men out here today uh, that show a lack of respect for those who have walked the earth a few years more than they have, and, and because of that, many times. Uh, they find themselves in a situation where they try to either they've been compromised or they compromise other people, but it leads to to, to bad things in life. But uh, I certainly appreciate that. But, man, I, I'm, I'm glad to have you not only on the show, but I'm glad to know that you're going to also have your own show here with us on, on, on Voice America Sports. So I'm excited about that. But before we get there, because. If I go there, I'd be doing things in reverse, and I don't want to do them in reverse. I want to do them the right way. I want to do them the way your life transpired. And, and I want to take the time to, to talk about a little bit or allow you to talk a lot, and I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about your life 
you know, before and after uh, the game. But so, so let's talk about a little bit, you know, the city of brotherly love. You're from Philadelphia. Philadelphia is one of these cities that's, that's known all over the world. Uh, a lot of respect for people like myself who are from Ohio coming to a city like Philadelphia. Uh, heard so many things about it. But why don't you give it to all those out there listening from your perspective, uh, growing up in Philadelphia, because we're going to go from growing up in Philadelphia to going to college and, and from going to college, going into pros. And then we're going to talk a little bit about life after football. So let's talk a little bit about your life, Lamar, growing up in Philadelphia. How was it for you, for those out there who don't know much about Philadelphia? Tell them a little bit about what your life was like growing up in the city of brotherly love. Oh, man. I mean, the city of brotherly love, I can definitely not picture myself growing up anywhere else, Ray. I mean, it was just a plethora of different cultures, of different activities, of different opportunities um, that I was made aware of at an early age. Uh, not many brothers come out of Philly uh, speaking Italian, but when you come out of that area, you speak a little bit of Italian, you're pretty... Uh, you're pretty you're an expert on pizza, you're an expert on cheese steaks, you're an ex- expert on water ice. And actually, Ray, you know, you're really an expert on a school to hard knocks. Because as you know, coming up when I did in the early 70s and early, eight, and early 80s, you know, inner city crime was just atrocious at that time. So what we just tried to do, you know, I definitely had a family around me, um, a family full of women, very strong women, that tried to keep me out of, out of trouble. Um, but also, you know, somehow, you know, when you're in that environment, as hard as they try to keep you out of trouble, you still find your way, my family, yourself into the wrong crowd. So you definitely get an education from school, but you also get an education from the street as well. Now, as I said, growing up in Philadelphia, Philadelphia for me, when I came there in 1981, I was drafted. And, and of course, the Philadelphia Eagles had just uh, made their appearance in the Super Bowl. They, they lost to mm-hmm. the Raiders. Uh, but I, of course, uh, was happy to be drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, came to that great city. But what I found out is that Philadelphia was a city of neighborhoods. Tell me a little bit about which neighborhood you grew up in. What part of Philadelphia are you from? Uh, well, I'm, uh, and I grew up in the southwest area of Philadelphia, right by the airport. I um, have family in Chester, Pennsylvania, as you know, home of uh, Billy White Shoes, um, great, great uh, football player, uh, Bo Ryan, head coach of Wisconsin. So I grew up on the southwest side, a um, little bit of Italian, mostly minority-type neighborhood. And as you know, and I told you when, when we first met out in Dallas that it's funny because I remember going to the Eagles game and watching you play, so it's amazing to me now that, you know, we have opportunity here to not only speak on the phone but to also be a part of the same uh, radio network in Voice America. So it is definitely a blessing for me. Um, things have come full circle. And, you know, the neighborhoods that we grew up in, you know, the south side, as you know, you stayed in that area as well when you played for the Eagles. So, you know, that was a pretty rough neighborhood over there. Yeah, there was a, there was a great school uh, of which I remember spending a lot of time. And as a matter of fact, I remember uh, I think the Lakers won the championship maybe in 1982. And I remember uh, I was out on the playground playing basketball in the hood, as we call it, just having a good time. Got my bumped heads with somebody, had my eyes sliced open. Had to wait. To, well, I didn't have to wait. Waited till the championship game was over with. Then I went to the hospital, got a few stitches in my eye, but really enjoyed playing basketball. But, I mean, that's a neighborhood that a lot of people don't know. But uh, when I grew up, and I'm going to say grew up because I, I came to Philadelphia 21 years old, you know. But uh, Eddie George is from southwest Philadelphia as well. Yes, he is. And so uh, there, there's a number of people. Uh, the school, I'm trying to remember the name of that school there on Lindbergh Boulevard. Do you remember the school? Is it, is it Bartram or? Yeah, Bartram. Yeah, Bartram, Bartram High School. High. Now, now, does that school, is that a school that's known to, to, to um, you know, put out some athletes? I think it's a junior high. I don't think it's a high school, is it? It's, 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 it's the junior high. 
junior high. It's the junior high. But you know what, Ray? As you know, most of the athletes are out there on that blacktop or out there playing on that field. You know, so many guys, I'm sure you know, as, as I know, so many guys that never played organized sports that were probably the best athletes you ever met in your life. Um, and when I have this conversation with guys, I say, you know what? It was a lot of Michael Jordans that never made it. Oh, yeah. And that happens, <laughs> that happens across the country. Throughout this United States of America, some of the best athletes, as I talked about, which you showed me from day one, is respect. A lot of them don't have respect for the people who teach the game and some of those who play the game. So they never get a chance to make it. Uh, Some of them may not even know, didn't have the respect to know that there was a gentleman out there who was trying to learn the game of golf and hit a few balls, end up being Coach Herman Edwards because Herman also lived over in southwest Philadelphia. So after, after a day of practice uh, at Veterans Stadium, uh, what, what Herman would do is Herman would go out, get him some golf balls, throw them out over there, you know, near the baseball fields over to Bartram and, and just hit a few balls. People go by, maybe didn't know who he was, didn't care who he was, showed a lack of respect. And you never know that one day he might be the man making a decision on drafting you or not. <laughs> so uh, you never know who you might run into or where you might run into them. So, tell, okay, Lamar, we, we talked a little bit about growing up in Philadelphia. There was another part of your life that uh, was pretty important to you. Uh, you must have been pretty successful on, on the football field because I think a number of people came through the city of brotherly love to invite you to their university to go and, and play ball. So talk to me about what it was like for you you know, the success that you displayed on the football field that got the attention of college coaches that came through there and eventually you chose one school to attend and play college ball. Oh, that's, a, that's an amazing story. You know, and I, I never really thought it was amazing until now that I'm older. Um, and it's a lot of guys kind of with the same story that I have, Ray. Um, I didn't play really organized football until maybe my junior year of high school. I mean, I pretty much was out there not knowing at all what I wanted to do, what, how to play the organized game. Now, you put me on there outside on a pickup game and throwing the ball around, yeah, I can make everybody miss. But playing organized ball, um, I actually went to a school named Strathaven um, out there in Wallingford. Uh, my high school actually um, got shut down, and I had to get shipped out of actually the city. And they actually had a pretty good established football program there. Um, now I had got into a little knucklehead trouble that summer. Um, and didn't know, you know, it's pretty much hanging around with, with the wrong guys, being young, um, and doing some stupid things. And, you know, I really wasn't into the football aspect my senior year. Um, and it was funny because, you know, my strong women in my family was not having any mess at all. And the coach put me out there to teach me a lesson. And he threw me the ball one time the first game and got my head knocked off. And this is the first game of the season. And then I got mad. And I said, you know, throw me, throw me that pass again. And it was a 95-yard hitch route touchdown. Mm. So I come back to the sideline, and coach says, can you score every time? I said, listen, if you keep my mom and them off my back and let them know I'm doing a good job, I'll score as many touchdowns as you want me to. <laughs> and that's pretty much how things got started. Um, had opportunity to a lot of coaches would uh, call, call the high school. And the funny thing is I chose University of Wisconsin. And I tell people this story all the time. Um, a lot of the coaches, because of my neighborhood, they were actually scared uh, to come and visit me because I was in a really bad neighborhood. There was a lot of drug activity. There were a lot of bad things going on. And every coach would really just say, you know, I'll meet you at high school. I'll meet you at the school that morning. Um, Barry Alvarez, the now athletic director at University of Wisconsin, was the head coach. He actually came down with uh, Brad Childress, the, um, that used to be head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, Brian Callahan, you know, a lot of guys that have had head coaching experience in the NFL. 
And they came to the block, Ray, and they said, hey, we're looking for, we're looking for Lamar. They're like, well, what school are you with? He's like, I'm with the University of Wisconsin. And he came and knocked on the door and sat down with my family and let them know that education was going to come first, first and foremost in his program. I was going to graduate with a degree. Things were going to be moving forward um, that way. You know, it wasn't going to be any BSing around at all. And he walked out the door. We were walking to the car, and the helicopter was out looking for someone that had committed a crime that night. <laughs> so I go back in the house. I'm telling my mom, I said, oh, my God, I know no coach is ever going to come here again. I'm not going to go to college. And Barry called me the next morning and says, hey, you know, they weren't looking for you, were they? You know, cracking a little joke. I started laughing. He says, so what do you think? I said, coach, I'm a Badger. And that was, um, that was my the beginning of, of, of my path to college football at, at the University of Wisconsin. Now, wait, did you make, are you telling me you made the commitment before you made a trip to the university? Oh, no, it, he pretty much called me to say, you know, how, how about coming up for a trip? But just based on um, the way that he approached the situation, because you have to understand, a lot of coaches, and what I'm realizing now is I'm older, and, and you know, there's a lot of coaches will talk. You know, the NCAA is such a big business now, they just want the guys there. But the fact that he was the only coach that actually came to my neighborhood that took that step out of all the coaches that were recruiting me, I mean, that pretty much solidified it um, for me. Of course, I didn't sign anything. Of course, I took, still took my visits. But it was going to be hard to top the fact that he took the initial step to actually come to my neighborhood when no one else would. You know, Lamar, we're going to have to take a, a break here in a couple minutes. We got, we got two minutes before we go to break. But um, for those of you who do not know, again, we're, we're speaking with Lamar Campbell, uh, from the city of brotherly love, uh, former safety with the Detroit Lions. Uh, Lamar, you mentioned about your neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's really interesting because he asked the guys on the block, you know, they said to them they're looking for Lamar. Now, I know they had to have an address. Now, were these fellas outside the house, and so they just thought perhaps maybe you might have been one of them because they had never seen you face-to-face, or was it a different kind of situation and they were lost and didn't know where the house was? Oh, you know what? They were lost. They did not know. They couldn't find the house because we were uh, right next door to the project. So it was kind of a confusing situation. And the funny thing is about the guys that they approached, those were the guys that actually did their best to keep me out of trouble. Even though they were in trouble themselves, and you mentioned respect earlier, you know, they always told me, you know, you have a chance to get out of here. You don't have to be in this situation anymore. And they made sure, you know, I went to school, I went to practice, you know, everything that I was taking care of, all the business I needed to do to make it out of there. So they were just as excited for me as I was to have the opportunity to go to college because that's something that they never had the opportunity to do. So when Coach Alvarez came, I mean, it would be funny. Once I was in Wisconsin, you would come back and everybody on the block would have a Wisconsin T-shirt. I would bring them back T-shirts and they were just... You know, my extended family, but they definitely, you know, looked out for me, made sure I kept my nose clean and out of trouble, you know, as much as they could. And they were just as excited when uh, Barry pulled up and couldn't find me. They were more than happy to let him know where I stayed. No, Mom, I'm glad you explained it like that because there are many people who may come from a different background that really don't understand the importance of the support from people in our neighborhoods that we grow up in many times when they talk mm-hmm. about these posses and, and they talk about the people from the neighborhood that the guys just can't can't let go of and you have to do that at some point in time there's certain ones that you have to let go because they're just a detriment and they will pull you down but many of them they lift you up and they just make you feel so good i tell you what we're gonna finish that on the other side of break we gotta take a break you listen to ray ellis sports on the voice america network and of course man i got one of the young fellas with me man i appreciate the fact that he shows much respect lamar campbell former safety 
for the Detroit Lions and the University of Wisconsin Badgers that beat the Ohio State University. Man, did I say that. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. (laughs) Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. You bet.com's playing to win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on playing to win at you bet.com. Welcome to Inside the Trenches, everyone, an interactive show that is sweeping across the nation here on Voice America Sports, simply with your host, 12-year pro football veteran, yes, of course, the voice of America, R. Cal Trula. We're bringing it to you. The day starts at noon, and so does Inside the Trenches, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, bringing you the ins and outs, letting you know what's going on in and around sports and also in and around your neck of the woods. So if you want to be on the show and you want to be a part of the show, simply go to InsideTheTrenches.com and let's make this thing happen for you the interactive show that is sweeping across the nation inside the trenches your show your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports Wow, I just want to let that music play because every time they play that, man, I just feel like I got my game face on. I want to go out there and play some more ball, but I can't do that anymore. But I'll tell you what, I could talk to my boys that, that played the game, you know, with me, after me, before me, and I got one that played it after me and played it well. Lamar Campbell, former safety with the Detroit Lions, and as I said, a Wisconsin Badger. And, Lamar, as we were segueing out to that commercial, you know, you kind of shed some light on something that's really personal to me. Uh, And that's always, you know, near and dear to my heart when I hear somebody explain how life was for them growing up and then then some of their friends and then those who looked out for them uh, in the neighborhood. And and there are certain experiences in a person's life that even though they don't know but indirectly – they share it with those people from the neighborhoods in ways of which they don't ever know. Because just as you tell that story, I'm sure that them fellas that was on that corner that day when Barry Alvarez came into that neighborhood, they tell that story even today just as you do. And, and they appreciate the fact that even though you, don't, you didn't mean to, you shared a part of your life because that man came into 
your neighborhood came to your house to visit you. And, of course, Brad Childress, who used to be the offensive coordinator there with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, he, too, came. And so, man, that, you, you shared that with them. And, and I'm not even sure you looked at it like that, but you got a chance to share a little bit of your life with them because you did the right thing, which brought the right person into your life. It might even change one of their lives. You never know. You know, I know, and that's really my hope, right? I, I really hope that those stories, um, and when I go back and talk to kids, I, I, I tell that story as well, because unfortunately, um, the neighborhood that I grew up in, you know, it was a, it's a poverty-ridden neighborhood, and a lot of guys didn't really have the chances, you know, to really get out, and it would have been easy for them to accept me um, into the wrong kind of lifestyle, but instead, they saw the potential in me. You know, it wasn't that they wanted to do it. Sometimes it was just a thing of necessity. But when they saw that I had an opportunity to make something of myself, I mean, they were on me harder than my mom and they were on me. I mean, they would be there, make sure I went to school, as I said, make sure I was at practice, make sure I kept my nose out of trouble. I mean, they were really my extended family. And it's, it's changed a little bit today. Um, they, they, and, and as the saying goes, it takes a village to raise a, uh, a child. And you're, you're so right. Go. And, and you know what? I had so much education, so much insight, everyone looking out for me. And I really appreciate that. Um, I didn't really realize how much of an impact it had on me till after the fact. But I know I, I really could have went down the wrong path easily just based on where I was from. And they just would not let that happen. You know, and I, I will always appreciate them for that. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes people get mixed up, particularly when, you know, uh, people of, uh, you know, of African-American descent, you know, black folks. You know, when we when we relate different things to slavery, even though we may not have experienced it ourselves, but, you know, generations after generations after generations share things with us. And, 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 and I remember watching, you know, movies on TV. You know, I saw Roots when it first came out, you know, and, and there were times where there were some people that couldn't make it. You know, for some reason, they was trying to escape to freedom and they couldn't make it. So so they pushed the stronger one on. They told him, you go, you go ahead, you make it. We're going to we're going to be OK. And they lost their lives. It, well, for many of us and I shared this story recently, you know, the neighborhoods we grew up, you know, like they say, concrete jungles. I mean, they like that for some of us. And and so what happens, there's some people in there that feels that, you know what, I got to stay in this neighborhood. I got to do this because I don't have any other talent. But we want you to make it. We, we don't want you to come out here. We don't want you selling drugs on the street. You know, we don't want you, you know, selling guns. We don't want you doing the wrong thing. We want you to go to class. So we're not even going to, we're, gonna, we're not going to let you in to this world that we live in because we see you have talent. And you have the ability, and, and if you don't exceed and excel, you know, to whatever degree it is that they know you can do it, then you're going to let them down. And, and so I appreciate the fact that you, uh, you saw what they saw in you, and you took that next step to success in going to the University of Wisconsin. So tell us a little bit about, you know, I mean, now come on, there's got to be a culture shock. As much as it was a shock for Barry, Barry Alvarez to come into the hood in Philly, it had to be a shock for you to go to the University of Wisconsin after being in the hood in Philly. Oh, man, Ray, it really was a culture shock. I remember um, going to minicamp, and minicamp was not on campus. We actually went away to a seminary that was about four or five miles away, um, and we would have camp there. Um, but when we finally got to campus, that's kind of when it hit me. And I remember we first, uh, we were moving into the dorms, and my roommate didn't lock the door. And someone walked in, and let me tell you, Ray, I lost my mind. <laughs> and they could not understand why I was so upset. I said, listen, I don't know where you guys came up, but we lock our doors where I'm from. I'm not, you know, I'm not really comfortable with people just walking in, <laughs> with people just walking into the room. <laughs> 
like that. Yeah. And they thought it was funny, but I was like, oh, I am dead serious. And then after we got out the dorms, um, it was another story that my boy still teased me about to this day. I have a wedding coming up with a, uh, a couple of guys that I went to school with. I'm sure this story will come up um, at the bachelor party that I used to always answer the door with my shoes on. I would have nothing on but a pair of boxer shorts and a T-shirt. But if someone knocked on the door, I would put my shoes on to answer the door, which I still do today. It was just a learned habit, and they would always tease me about it. And I was like, well, you know, you never know who's at the door. You know, you may be need, you may, you may, <laughs> you may want to have some shoes on. You got to wait. You got to explain to me now. What's the purpose of the show? In case you got to make a run someplace. I mean, what's the shoes for? Just always, you just never knew. So when you were, we, we, we were younger. My grandfather used to always tell me, boy, don't you ever answer the door with shoes, but I without your shoes on. I'd be like, why, granddad? He'd be like, you never know who at the door. And, you know, when you're a young kid, you know, certain things just stick with you that the older, not the older generation says. And but Lamar, Lamar, you got boxer shorts on and shoes. You, he should have told you to put your pants on. Man, he said, most important <laughs> shoes. thing I needed was some shoes. <laughs> oh, else wow. Wow, that's a good one, man. good, but you know what? I would not trade those four years in Madison for anything. Um, because one thing, one of the great things about football, Ray, as you know, there is no race. You guys are all brothers. That's no right. matter what color you are. You That's know, right. you're going to war together. There was never a situation where I felt uncomfortable around anyone around any other race and vice versa. And we have so much to learn from each other and to teach each other and the jokes and just the hanging out. I mean, as you know, those are things that you miss. And those four years in Madison... Um, it was a completely different area for me coming from inner city Philadelphia um, to Madison, Wisconsin. And it was funny because at the time I was at school, Madison, Wisconsin was the number one place to live in the country as far as schools, as far as jobs, as far as the university systems. I mean, so it was completely different. And to this day, I would not trade those four years in Madison. And let me also add, we were the number one party school in the nation as well for three years. Yeah, so. I, I, that was something that we were glad to let you guys have that title. You know, <laughs> there was a couple titles we wanted to hold on to in the Big Ten, uh, but we would let you have that one. But let me ask you something. You go to the University of Wisconsin. And uh, it, it had to be at a time where not only were you the number one uh, party school in the country, but Wisconsin's program had turned around now. I mean, Wisconsin was playing some football. Uh, your freshman year was, was what year on the campus? That was uh, 94. That was the year right after the Rose Bowl. So Barry had pretty much restored the program, um, and he had made it to the Rose Bowl, the first Rose Bowl in years. And um, that was pretty much the turning point. That was pretty much the turning point for the Wisconsin program. You know, they were, um, as you know, as an Ohio State guy, they were getting drubbed on every year. And Barry came in and made them competitive. Um, they had a one, I think, seven season, then a five to 500 seasons. And then we came back um, and won that Rose Bowl the year before I got there. And ever since I've been there, we've never been out of the top 25 rankings. Right. And some of your teammates while you were there with Barry. I'm sorry? I said, and some of the teammates that you played with while you were there with Barry, who were some of those guys? Oh, I played with uh, Lee DeRamis. Um, I played with Lee DeRamis, Brent Moss, uh, Terrell Fletcher, uh, Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator out in uh, Seattle, uh, Jerry Wunsch, uh, some great linemen, Aaron Gibson, um, some great guys. You know, we had some great guys. And not and, only just great players, but just great men right. as well. And, and that's one of the things that I will always appreciate. It was never... Um, any clicks in, in Madison, you know, everybody hung out together, hung out together with everyone, you know, and we were very tight. And as you know, um, if you ask any championship or any champion, whether it's 
NFL, NBA, it all starts from the top, and they are some of the closest from the top to the bottom. Their relationships are so close. You can ask any championship that any champion that question, and I'm sure they'll all agree that they were all just very tight, very close, did everything together. And I really do believe that does that that does translate onto the football field or whatever you know, whatever avenue that you might be in, even if it's in a corporate world. Now, Lamar, times the great retreats that corporations go on actually increase. Um, their profit share because everyone actually likes each other and, and, and gets along. Right. Now, let me ask you, Lamar, obviously when you were there, obviously you, you played football, but you were a student-athlete. Share with us a little bit about your academic experience at the university. Uh, the academic experience was um, awesome. It, it was an awesome experience, and I will tell you this, University of Wisconsin, if any of you younger guys are thinking about going to University of Wisconsin, trust me, you will do all your work. <laughs> do everything. It won't be a tutor doing it for you. It won't be anybody. They'll give you all the help that you need. But Barry was definitely a, um education-first guy. And as you know, he was uh, Lou Holtz's defensive coordinator mm. for those national championship years. Right. So he brought a lot of the Notre Dame tradition um, over to us. Um, the academics were awesome. I, minored, I majored in um, education. I was a history major. Um, and I minored in film and, and photography. Now, those years that you spend at the university, I mean, you talked about you'll make sure they'll make sure you do all your work. Uh, there'll be tutors there necessary. Uh, let me ask you, was it a struggle if there ever was a time where you struggled uh, with academics? Did you have a problem asking for help? Because sometimes young men are just afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know what? My freshman year, um, the college workload initially, because I actually played as a freshman, um, I, I, I did not redshirt, so the, that first semester, um, my freshman year was terrible. I mean, Ray, it was, it was terrible. I mean, I wasn't used to those. I wasn't used to the practice schedule, so not being used to the practice schedule led to not making class maybe the next morning because you were too sore, or too hurt. Um, and Wisconsin is not a easy university. I mean, it's very very distinguished university, very, very high workload. And that freshman year, the pride thing um, definitely got a hold of me. I was, I did not want to ask for help. I really believed that I could get through it uh, by myself and not ask for help. But, you know, everything on the football field was great. But I felt like I was shorting myself by not making everything on the academic side um, great. Okay. Lamar, you still there? Okay, I think we could be experiencing technical difficulties. I'm not sure, but if we are, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a break, and I'm sure if we lost Lamar, we'll get him on the other side of the break. You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. flagship station for sports voice america sports 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a 9-horse field, but really there are 7 donkeys and 2 zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports coast to coast mixtapes.com Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like a matter. Special guest with me, Lamar Campbell, former safety for the Detroit Lions and also Wisconsin Badger. Uh, Lamar and I just been we we just been sharing. I really been appreciated the fact that uh, he's taking the time out of his schedule, and it's a busy schedule. I always like when I talk to uh, young men in particular, uh, and I ask them to be a guest on my show that their schedule is not always clear. Because that tells me that they're busy, you know, taking care of things that are important in life. And Lamar has certainly uh, been doing that, has done that, and continues to do that. So we're going to move right along from what happened at the University of Wisconsin. And they were all good things. And there came a time where that, you know, contributed to a dream come true. And that dream for you had to be uh, professional football. And so as your career, you know, is winding down at the University of Wisconsin, uh, it's time now, about this time of the year, uh, where it's draft time and, and perhaps maybe it's a chance to be drafted. We never know. We are, there's some people who do know, but we don't always know when you're in the middle of the draft or the late part of the draft or even free agency. Uh, we don't know, but there is this sense of, wow, it really could happen. So tell me a little bit, walk me through that part of your life now where it's this time of the year and your dream is about to come true, and you're about to become a professional football player. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was a great, but it was also a hectic and nervous time of the year. Um, after my senior year, I was invited to uh, one bowl game, which was the Hula Bowl, um, instead of the Senior Bowl. No complaints here. Hawaii, the Hooters Hula Bowl. I have no complaints whatsoever. Um, <laughs> it was a really <laughs> nice trip. <laughs> the ambiance was great in every way. 
so I have no complaints there. But I was not actually I was I was not invited to the combine either. So all I had pretty much was uh, the senior day workout. They came and they worked me out, um, and I didn't know if I would or would not get drafted. And I remember my friends drove up from Philly um, draft weekend and they sat at the house with me um, moving forward. And to me, at this time, um, I was just happy with getting my degree. Um, and it's funny because I never, a lot of guys, I never aspired to be in the NFL. It was never like, okay, I want to go to Wisconsin just to get to the NFL. I was going to Wisconsin to play football and get my degree. So it was good that, that those were my initial goals uh, when I got to Madison. Um, so when I finally got a call for Detroit after the draft was over, I was, I was discouraged. Um, I was not drafted. And they said, you know, we want you to have to come into Detroit as a free agent. So I did my due diligence to see how many corners or safeties they may have drafted. I wanted to give myself, you know, the best chance to possibly succeed and, and, and make a ball club. Um, so I get there, the first mini camp, and I say to myself, you know what? I don't have anything to lose. And it was a blessing. Uh, it was a blessing. I went to the first mini camp after the draft as a, as a free agent. Um, had a great mini camp. Ended up having um, what the coach told me that day was one of the best rookie camps ever. And had the, had the opportunity to play in the NFL as an undrafted uh, rookie free agent for six years. And that, that's, that's amazing because there's some people, I, I really don't think people realize how difficult uh, and, and, and what the numbers are in terms of statistically the chances of somebody, you know, making it to the National Football League. And even they're even more against you uh, when you're an undrafted uh, free agent. But I'm thinking when you went into that, that first minicamp, and it, was it a rookie minicamp? It was, uh, no, rookies and vets. Okay, and going, but, but going into that camp, knowing that you had come out of the Big Ten and playing football, and I know they talk all that mess about the SEC, but it had, it had to give you a sense of encouragement, knowing that you had come from a conference uh, that had some of the best football players in the world, and you had competed against those guys. And so when you showed up uh, at that minicamp, there were some rosters, or, or, or was a roster, that you could look at, and you had actually played against, you know, some of those guys before. Or, exactly. you, could, or you could look at their universities and say, well, that ain't Wisconsin. And if they can make it, then right. I can make it. Did, did you have any of that with you? Any, did that help you to get there knowing that you had played at Wisconsin and you were going to you know, come in and try to make did, this team? Did, because when I came out, you want to understand, I came out at 98. Um, so Big Ten, we were the end conference, and I say this all the time. Every conference has their time. Um, this is the S- this is the SEC's time right now. I will not argue that the SEC is loaded in college football talent. But at the time that I came out of college, it was your Ohio State Buckeyes, Penn State, Wisconsin, Illinois. I mean, we were Iowa. We were stacked as a football conference. Um, so I had a lot of confidence going into camp. And I've been winning with numerous goals. Um, one of my first goals was, okay, if I'm going to get cut, I'm going to knock out Barry Sanders before I go home. <laughs> that was my first goal. I'm going to knock out Barry Sanders before I go home. Second goal was, um, it was, and it's funny, uh, it was a gentleman, I won't say his name, but I was getting a football sign from my little brother in minicamp. Um, I didn't know if you were going to be back. You know, I was a rookie, so I was getting a ball sign. You know about Herman Moore and Barry and Mark Hager, the guys I had a chance to play with. And this particular guy would not sign my ball. I said, I don't sign balls, Rook. So that became my second goal was to knock him out. <laughs> Every time I got a chance to, when camp came around, I said, okay, I'll see you in July. Not a problem at all. And it's funny, 
one of the older guys told me, Mark Harry, I'll never forget. He said, son, you need to make one play a practice. He said, don't try to do it all. He said, you have two, two, two days. He said, don't blow any coverages and make one play per practice. A pick, a good special teams play, a good blitz, whatever. Do one good thing of practice, and you'll, you know, you'll be okay. And I, I had a pretty good camp. I had some great competition. You know, I played against Herman Moore. I mean, Herman taught me so much as far as being a DB. And it just came to happen that when we started the preseason, the corners were hurt. So I started the first three preseason games and had a hell of a game, all three games. Um, and I really think that solidified me, and as well as a rookie being playing well on special teams. And when the final cut came, you know, you know, they just heard the phones ringing, and the phones ran, and I, my phone never rang, right? My phone never rang, and I got to practice the next day, and they were like, you know what, Lamar, congratulations. Wow. That's, that's an amazing story because, again, you know, some people, the process is something that they've never heard, they've never seen, they've never experienced. So to hear from somebody who have actually lived that and, and then that, that, that wisdom uh, that my man passed on to you, it, it gave you kind of a blueprint of how to be successful in training camp is not making any mistakes and, and then to make sure you make one play a practice because for me going in, my thing was always this, and I continue to tell uh, young people this even this day. I, I always tell them that when the coaches are watching film that night, if they don't know your name, they'll know your number, and you want them to ask, did you see what 24 did? Did you see what yeah, exactly. 17 did? <laughs> your name needs to be brought up in a positive way each night when they watch and film. And, and it, what happened to me is that happened to me in college when I was playing for Woody. And, and they wanted me, they pulled me out as an example. When Pete Carroll came to the university my uh, junior year, and again, it's not about me, it's about sharing information with other kids so they'll know how to make it. You know, we had a captain, and I'm not going to mention his name, like you, respect. But, but the captain didn't lead the drills at the pace of which Pete wanted his drills. So Pete said to me, Ray, you set the tempo. You get up front, you set the tempo. And from that point on, psh, man, I set that tempo. Now, I wasn't happy about that because maybe I wanted to reserve some of my energy too, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> no, Pete wanted me to set the tempo of the practice, and that's the way things went. And so I certainly can appreciate that. I appreciate, again, you showing that respect, man, by not throwing that name out. And I had a guy that treated me similar to that uh, when I was young. I was a kid. Didn't want to give me an autograph. And then I was discouraged by a veteran when I came to rookie camp with the Eagles. Um, and it was, a, it was a time for, it might have been like the first game of the season. And I'm just coming out of school, and so I got my rah-rah on. I'm ready to go. And he looked at me, and he said, man, we, this, is, this is pros. We don't do that. And wow, man, that, that hurt me bad because I played with emotion. But he's like, no, nah, man, this is pro football. We don't do that. Well, Needless to say, he was holding a pen on the sidelines, you know, so that's kind of how that went. But. You, you can't play our games without emotion, and you hit it right on the, on the head, right? You know, I was raised to be very respectful of my elders. Um, that was something that's just instilled in me and, and to the day, and my son will, and that would be instilled in my son as well. And just, I was just always a sponge. Like, it was just, okay, whatever someone told me something that I, I needed to listen and I needed to hear, 
um, I made a point to let that resonate uh, within me. And that's what I hope to bring about. Um, when I get advice, it's not about me, as you said. It's just about, listen, I've been there. I want to help you. And I'm just telling you, you know, as a friend of someone that wants to see you succeed, because uh, Mark Carrier didn't know me from a camp. I mean, this is Mark Carrier, Super Bowl champion, uh, rookie, defensive rookie of the year as a, as a rookie with the Chicago Bears, and, and interceptions. You know, as a rookie, he had no incentive to come down to me and just say, hey, son, you know what, I like the way you're playing. You're playing hard. Make one day of practice. I mean, wait, make one play per practice, and you'll be fine. Mm, wow. So the fact that he just took the time out of his day to talk to a free agent <laughs> who had, you know, uh, less of a chance to make the team than any of the drafts that they had drafted before me, for him to take the time to actually say that to me meant something. Wow. That means if he took the time to say it to me, then I need to listen. <laughs> well, and take advantage of that. And, you know, I'll never, I'll never never, forget Mark sitting me down and telling me that. You know, Mark, as you know, was a – he played like me. Mark wasn't the biggest guy, and you know, but he would knock him out. And he played with that emotion that you just talked about. He approached practice with that emotion. And that will get you a long way. I won't say that I was the most talented guy out there, but I will say my emotion and work ethic – may have been one of the best out there. I really believe that's what kind of brought me through. And in any aspect of life, and as we talked about, you know, before with, after the game is over, that same emotion, that same work ethic can make you a success in something else as well. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because what we're going to do is uh, we got about a minute and and we're going to take a break. But that's what we're going to talk about on the other side after the game is over with. But I I just got to say this to you, man. Uh, You come into the league and you want to try to knock out one of the greatest running backs to ever play the game. I don't even want to know if you were successful or not. I, I'm not just. Even. I, <laughs> I had about a couple of my job straps. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Well, I'm glad, hey, listen, I'm glad you're honest about that because I'm going to say, man, what did it feel like? But I tell you, I know what it feels like. It feels good, and this feels good. You know, we listening right here where you're listening, and I'm talking. You listen to Rail and Sports on the Voice American Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Lamar Campbell's with me on the other side. Lamar's going to stay with me, and Chad Foss is going to join us. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Each week, take a visit inside the locker room of your favorite sport with Dez Clark, Paul Fresh Clark, and Lester Scudder Davis as they bring you sportsmanlike conduct. As a current player, Des Clark can bring you inside the sports world like nobody can. 
his co-hosts represent the fans of the sports world. With both points of view on the table, it becomes an engaging and entertaining program, to say the least. Sportsmanlike Conduct can be heard Tuesdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. Okay, I'm going to cut that off because this is a short version. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. This is our last version, but... As we uh, ended that last segment, you know, we talked about the fact we're going to move to life after football. But before we do that, I got my man Chad Foss in the studio with me. And Chad has just been chomping at the bits, Lamar, because he had a question or two <laughs> that he wanted to ask you. So, Chad, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you very Chad's much for having been on me. the show before. And, and Chad is from uh, our, hopefully, our media partner soon. Uh, we hope so, too. Uh, Cross Media Works. Cross Media. But uh, go ahead. You had a couple questions you wanted to throw out there to uh, Lamar. I sure do. And you guys are, it's uh, been very entertaining just to sit back and listen and listen. You know, some of us didn't have all the, the gifts to make it from high school to the next level. So hearing about your guys' experiences are, uh, are truly amazing. I have two quick questions for you, Lamar. The first one is, what do you guys think of uh, the Big Ten becoming the Big 12 and uh, Nebraska joining? And uh, how is that going to affect next football season? Um, I'm actually excited about Nebraska um, joining the Big Ten, I think just as a program in itself brings a lot more credibility to the Big Ten. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. I'll actually be in Madison for the opening Big Ten game we actually have in Nebraska. Um, I'm looking forward to that program. I think we, they definitely play our style of football. The one thing I'm not too happy about is the leaders and the legends that the Big Ten came up with. As you know, they split the conferences up. So with the leaders conference, and the Legends Conference. I think we could have came up with some better names than the Leaders <laughs> and the Legends. <laughs> I, think, I think we did a little better than that, but as far as uh, the big, uh, the Nebraska coming in, I think that's a great pickup for Big Ten football. I think that's going to expand not only our fan base, um, but as you know, we're the number one generating revenue generating conference, and now with the Nebraska fans coming, I mean, that's a great, that, that's a really big following that we're going to have um, now, that Nebraska, now that Nebraska's in the Big 12 now. But it will always still be the Big Ten, so I'm very excited about Nebraska joining the Big Ten. And from my perspective, I, I, I kind of share the same opinion, Lamar, about the names, you know, leaders and legends. You know, I'm, I think we could have came up with something <laughs> different. I know we could have came up with something <laughs> different than that. And for me, I, I'm like, hold on, wait, we got some great business schools. Couldn't we at least go on and make this, a, you know, a research project and let them do, you know, <laughs> a campaign, right? you know, to come up with something, something better happened. than that? But then I also, but then I also have this, this LeBron James kind of, you know, process of thinking about this whole thing because, wow, did if, if did they leave, you know. Uh, the big, whatever they were, to come into the Big Ten, or did the Big Ten go after them? You know, well, are they the LeBron James of college football? Mm, you never know. I mean, if I was Nebraska, I'd be like, I like the conference we in. Y'all come over here. I'm not going to that conference. You know, but go ahead, Chad. You yeah, I think it's uh, that, that's a great point. <laughs> right now, it's a feast or famine if you're in the uh, world of college sports. So I think uh, it's probably a little bit yeah. of both. A lot of money yeah, out there, NCAA. We don't want to talk. We don't want to talk. All the business decisions. Yeah, yeah there you go. Business decisions on both ends definitely was. 
my uh, my other question for you guys was uh, the whole recruiting process. Lamar, you mentioned uh, you know you had a coach come to you and it was the first offer and you and you jumped at it. You know, I, I follow a lot of the recruiting uh, websites and love college football to death. And you see a lot of kids today; they get that first offer, they commit, or maybe it's not the first one, but they commit to the to a school, and then they change their minds uh, either as signing day gets closer, or you know, another school comes and and they trip them out there and. Well, I, I loved you, but now I love somebody else. What do you guys think of that? You know, um, was... I think I think that I think it's very fair. I know for me, I think because now it's a lot different. See, I came out in '94, and because I really didn't play, um, I really didn't get noticed until my senior year. A lot of these guys are coveted since they're in, since they're playing junior high football. So a lot of these guys have people looking out for them at college, looking at them from ninth grade on to my senior year. It just so happened that um, in my league that I transferred to, I had a lot of D1 prospects um, that I played against. And I'm sure they weren't there to see me. I just happened to be good on the field when they came to see the other guy. So I, I'm really, so my family was not very uh, familiar with the recruiting process. I was not very familiar uh, with the recruiting process. But one thing I do know is that I'm very loyal. And like I, pretty much like I told Ray earlier, the fact that he, among all the other coaches, I got calls from everywhere. I got letters from everywhere. I had tons of coaches meet me at the high school in the morning before school started. Right. But because he was the only one that took the time to actually come to my neighborhood and say, you know, I want this kid bad enough that I don't care what they say about his neighborhood. I'm going to go sit on his couch with my big rose bowl ring and hang out with Brad Children and eat his mom's spaghetti. That spoke volumes to me. So not only was Massive just a great school education-wise for what my major wanted to be, but I thought Barry was just a great man. I think that said a lot about his character. And that was one that I definitely wanted to play for. Um, but right now, you know, these are the guys, they're going to be the best four years of their lives. Um, I truly believe that. I think they have a right to change their mind. You know, they're no one's property. This is their education and their future that they're choosing. So I think they have the right to change their mind if, if they choose to do so. And, and kind of um, to piggyback off of what Lamar said, you know, if you realize where some of these guys come from, the neighborhoods they come and I, not listen, particularly today, you know, lifestyles have changed tremendously since I was a kid uh, in 1977. So I was visiting schools in 1976. <clears throat> there are a lot more affluent African-Americans, you know, today. Uh, but what you have to realize is my generation, sometimes when we came out of the hood, it was the first time we'd ever been on an airplane. And and it was and, and, wow. <laughs> and it was also uh, the first time you had been into uh, a lifestyle of luxury because that's what college mm -hmm. campuses are, a lifetime of luxury. When I was on the University of Kentucky's private jet, I had never been on a private jet before. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and then I've never been in, in a situation where I, a school said to me, well, well how much money are you going to need? You know? And so you got all these first-time things happening to people. And, and when you're there at that one school and they say this to you for the first time and it's the best thing that ever happened to you, you say yes to them. Now, I, like Lamar, mm -hmm. I'm loyal, too. But this is the first time I ever had this type of uh, offer being thrown at me. So then when I get to the next school, they're trying to one-up the previous <laughs> school. So the deals get better and better and better. But, mm -hmm. but I, think to, I think today they're trying to control things. Uh, they're trying. They haven't, get, they haven't mastered it yet because I'm from a generation, too, where there were some people that uh, became who they are 
during our generation of ball. You know, we were, my generation, the 80s, I call us, uh, we changed a whole lot of things, you know. And, and college football and basketball uh, became the thing. It, it wasn't the thing. ESPN just came alive in 1979, you know, so it changed, you know, college sports and, and, and professional sports as well. So, you know, when you look at, you know, sports today and the recruiting process today, it's a business. And, and, yeah. and, and families need to understand the business side of it because you're making a decision about your lifestyle. When a person, a student who's not an athlete, decides where they're going to school, that's a business decision for the family because it's an investment in their son or their daughter, but it's also it's an investment in their entire life. The decisions you make in college influence your entire life. And so some people are just experiencing that, that a first-generation of education beyond high school. So a lot of things are new, but there's a lot of influence out there. And for me, Lamar, I don't know about you. Like you said, his, his parents, the situation was a little different. My mom did, hadn't gone on to college, but my mom liked sports. So my mom, you know, when I mentioned another school besides the Ohio State University, <laughs> my mother wasn't too happy about that because Woody Hayes could, you know, could kind of sell the mom. Like so, but it's but you funny, got it's so funny. It's so funny you mention that, Ray. I remember the first coach that called the house. My mom thought he was calling because I did something bad. <laughs> wow. He said, oh, coach, something stuff called. What'd you do? I was like, I didn't do anything. Mom, I think was it offered me a scholarship. You know, my mom said, for what? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I'm, I'm telling you, man. It's I said, for football. She said, you can play. I was like, I guess they want to give me a scholarship. I guess wow. I'm all right. <laughs> wow. Did Lamar, did Penn State come calling? Did you get? I'm sorry? Did Penn State come calling, and Joe you know Paterno what? come? It's, that's a great question. It was it, it was because they didn't call that I decided to go to the Big Ten and make it a point to beat Joe Pot every year. I, <laughs> I want I, I wanted to wear the white. I wanted to go up to Happy Valley. You know, being a Philly guy, a big Eagles fan, and Penn State fan, I wanted to go play for Joe Pot. I'm like, okay, I'm just waiting for my Penn State call. I'm just waiting for my Penn State call, and it's an all-star game, Ray. You know what? Was the Big 33 in operation uh, when you came out of high school? No, it was. They, they, uh, they were, but they took, a, they took a couple years off that they were uh, previously to my senior year, yes. And I'll never forget, um, at our Big 33 banquet, all you saw was Penn State, Penn State, Penn State, Penn State, Penn State, Wisconsin. Wow. <laughs> and I wow. Joe Pot at the Big 33 game. I said, I can't wait to play you guys. I really can't. I broke even against Joe Pop, but I had great games at Happy Valley because I felt, you know, that I wanted to stay in state. That would have been my dream. I think that would have been the only thing I would have turned Barry down for was a Penn State phone call. But the fact that he never called, Joe Pop became a bitter enemy to me. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, we, we, I hate to do this, but we got to end this show. But I tell you one thing you better not do is you better not be on the wrong side. Of LC. Lamar Campbell, don't be on the wrong side because Lamar going to be after you, boy. Hey, I've enjoyed this show. Lamar, hey, I can't wait till you have your first show with us here on the Voice America Network. We're looking forward to it. Chad. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Go on a living spree. Shit, they say the best things in life are free. The good life, it feel like Atlanta. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.